We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith and Newcastle United podcast on YouTube. And you've got Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Chris Shipman, and Adam Widgerton to talk through Newcastle United's 2-2 draw against Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. Not the win that many would say was required, not the win that was needed, but a, certainly a, a vast improvement on not just the Brighton debacle, but, but most of Newcastle's football under Steve Bruce since he took the job. And we're going to get right into the context of the result, how we achieved it, if we should have won the game, and why it was so much better. And personally, I think it raises as many questions about Steve Bruce's coaching staff as it does produce answers. Uh, uh, you know, just having a quick chat with the lads there pre-podcast, and we're all kind of a, a similar opinion about that game and about the situation. The situation remains dire. You know, I kind of read... Uh, particularly on social media, that Newcastle have won 2-2 almost, not the case. Didn't win. Aston Villa play Fulham now, uh, so we're going to ignore that one while we're recording. But for me, lads, I'll open it up. Um, I thought today was as much about Tottenham basically showing how you don't play against Newcastle United. They gave us time, they gave us space, they didn't press us, uh, they didn't particularly press, press us in midfield. They... And this isn't a Spurs podcast, but I thought Spurs were dreadful, were absolutely dreadful. Uh, we've gifted them, gifted them two goals, and they still haven't beaten us. Um, and for all of Newcastle's improvements, I think that has to be registered. And I think the commentators said the managers uh, with bootmakers the minute are, you know, favourites to be sacked. You know, Steve Bruce's first favourite, Jose Mourinho's second favourite. That you know, that's not like. You know, it's not like Spurs have come into this game in fine fettle and in rampant form and at all as well. Like, you know, Spurs were really, really poor today. And, and Norman, you've touched on it before on a few podcasts about Newcastle doing the kind of classic relegated or relegation haunted side thing. And that's, you know, and we'll play very, very badly in lots of games. Yet the games we do play well in, we don't take our chances. We don't put away teams who are there to be put away like I thought Spurs were today. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, we don't take we don't get what we deserve, um, and it's you know more often than not we don't deserve anything. Today, I, I think you know on the balance of chances, I thought Newcastle created far more than Tottenham, and were the better side on the whole. Uh, and it's a massive missed opportunity. And Steve Bruce after the game talks about its quiet confidence again. He talks about accumulation of points again. Very hard to accumulate points when 
you miss as many chances as Newcastle did today, lads. I don't know who wants to go jump in now. I can I can jump in. Sorry, Adam. Um, I'll, I'll just be quick here. There are lots of positives to take from this performance as a standalone performance today, right? That's that's what I think a few of us have, have said for a while now. Each performance needs to be looked at in context of just that one game because there isn't any great turning of the corner. There isn't any upturn in form. There is just each individual game as it comes, right? So if you look at today in that respect, there were positives. But as you've introduced it the way that you have, what I will say is it's another game where we've supposedly, or we have played well, let's say, much like Palace at home, much like Leeds at home, much like the opportunities we had against Villa and against Wolves, Villa and Wolves in particular, we've played against sides who have offered nothing really and we've supposedly played well, yet we still haven't won. And my overwhelming feeling today is, okay, there are positives, but at the same time, it's still two wins in 21, so no matter how much we try and spin this game out of the remaining fixtures, this is actually going to be one of the easier, or would have been one of the easier ones if you look at who we've got left. Spurs at home in the form that they're in, despite the fact that, that if they had won, they would have gone in the top four. It's actually one of the more winnable fixtures, and we haven't won it. So that's my concern. As much as I say there were positives, we still haven't won in a game that was really one of the ones that we ought to have taken advantage of. Yeah, 100%, Norman. And I mean, I, I tweeted around half-time that it was like, it was it was so Newcastle United that we've played the best we've played in about 10 games. Um, Spurs hadn't shown up, and yet we were still behind at half-time, having taken the lead. Like, there was nothing more Newcastle United than that. And looking at the context, yeah, in isolation, good result against a, 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 a team, you know, a Champions League team, essentially, or a team certainly, you know, battling for a, for a Champions League spot, very, very in the mix there. Yet, we, we've got to take the wider picture. So, you've got to look at the 3-0 defeat at, at Brighton. You know, had we, had, we, had we got beaten by Spurs and drawn at Brighton, we would be sitting here saying, that's not good enough. And this is, this, this is where, you know, performance is great. But I'm, I'm not even I'm not even bothered about performances anymore. It's, we're beyond the point of trying to praise good performances. It's about points, as Steve Bruce keeps saying, as you said, Norm. The the accumulation of points is the most important thing. And yeah, we still haven't won a game in a game that we had enough chances to, like you say, there was no urgency from Spurs. We started really well, so I would say today, progress, absolute progress, and I'm really pleased that we didn't. Um, and I'm saying please because. <laughs> we know we're sort of starving, feeding off scraps, but I'm I'm pleased that we didn't go into this game with the same formation that has failed countless times uh, before the international break. So at least something happened over the international break. At least some work was done. So we 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 can we we have evidence of that. Some work was done. I think the shape was a lot better and and, and made us more robust. It's progress, but I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much because there is still a long way to go. This does not. It's it's a point away from the relegation zone, and we, points we need we need wins we need wins. I don't care if it's against Spurs. You look at West Brom going to Stamford Bridge, and yeah, that you know Chelsea went a goal down, but West Brom showed showed bravery and and went for it like they cared and they fought and they smashed Chelsea in in a result that you would never have. 
we should have been doing something similar today. They were there for the taking Spurs and we didn't take it. Point is great and vindicates that it was a good performance. But to be honest, had we not equalised and a 2-1 defeat, even despite that performance, would have meant nothing to me because it's all about points at this game. It went the business end. P performance, I'm not interested in. Points, points, points. Yeah, I don't know whether you can view this game entirely in a vacuum, as, as Norman just said, that, and Adam as well, context is everything. We've gotten into ourselves into a position through playing so badly this season and picking up draws where we should have gotten wins at best most of the time, where Adam's right, we're at the business end of the season. We've only got a few games left. At what, eight games left? And the run-in is pretty difficult. So, you know, a draw is nice uh, and the performance is better, but, you know, it's we've seen for weeks admittedly against poorer sides and Spurs getting draws where really we need wins and I'm still unsure as to whether we are going to get a win before the end of the season let alone enough points to stay up yeah no definitely um the formation one's an interesting one uh, you know people who are watching this podcast and who subscribe to our patron feeds where we produce kind of three to five extra podcasts a week for about two quid or less than two quid um, £25.50 months, way less than two quid a week. Um, you will have heard us slate this formation consistently. And before we get into the nitty gritty of the formation of the team selection, which I know all your, um, you know, all you lads are going to probably want to talk about, is this uh, this good performance and this change? It just raises as many questions about the manager as it does produce answers for me. Because um, where the hell have Matt Ritchie and Sean Longstaff in particular been? Look at that first goal today. Look at that first goal. Pressure from Richie, Gale, and Longstaff goal. Where have they been all season? And it doesn't mean that those three lads are the answer. Where's Jacob Murphy been all season? Or particularly since January. It's you know a lot of stuff there. But on the formation as well, it's like so the, to change the formation after after Bruce had said in the media previously that this was that formation now. They were going to play this formation. The players were comfortable and everyone was happy. Graham's come in and done this and that's today's proof of, and it goes back to what you were saying before, Chris, a little bit about what you were saying, Adam, about, about points of uh, um, performances. There was this narrative that Bruce was pushing. Um, I can't remember who we played before. West, was it, you know, Wolves, West Brom, and um, whoever we drew against Villa. It was this narrative of things are getting better. Things are getting better. We could have won those games. Well, Brighton blew, down, blew that out of the water, completely blew it out of the water. So we're always like it's like ground zero now. We're starting again, and and I just before handing over to you to talk about the specifics of the formation, Norman. I just want to call it for everyone watching and listening. It is fucking mental that Newcastle United once again made five changes for a Premier League game. Right, the right call, but only because of how bad the previous team selection was and how bad the formation was. It is fucking mental that once again Newcastle United completely rip up their style of play and formation, going from a diamond for you know a diamond with split non-existent strikers to a five at the back a five three two system it is mental that this is going on that we just seem to lurch from crisis to crisis bruce hoys a load of players at it and hopes a solution is found and it worked today and it worked now and uh, previously i've all been hugely critical of the five at the back formation because we'd won two of i forget now but it's like what two of our last 25 26 games Playing like that, that obviously hasn't happened today. Um, incredibly for Bruce, and this might even be the first time he's ever done this. 
in class manager, he actually changed formation to try and salvage something from the game and went basically the four four two. Um, so this isn't a good thing. This kind of like you know going back to a previously fall, failed formation, it is not a good thing. It's not a solution. We're you know we're going to Burnley and we don't win. We play five at the back. Everyone's kicking off about five at the back. It is one mess to another from week to week. But this week, Norman it did produce a far improved performance. And what he put that down to, mate. It did produce a far improved performance, mate. Um, look, you, you can say that that was connected to the formation. It was connected, in my opinion, to the formation. Only in the sense that it is we're better playing that system than we are playing the diamond. I still don't think it's the right formation to play between now and the end of the season if we want to get points on the board, right? Look, for all of the improvements with the five at the back over the diamond, we were still losing 2-1 when he went to 4-4-2, right? We're still losing it. So it ultimately, okay, we created more chances. We played better than we did with this terrible diamond formation, but we were still losing. And all of you've said accumulation of points, and we're like, you know, we're down in our last eight games now. So it is about the accumulation of points. And the way that Newcastle United should have played under Steve Bruce from day one and the way that we did at the start of the season against West Ham was the 4-4-2 formation. And I've banged on about it, that we've got a manager who is limited in what he can do. Burnley, you've got a manager who knows his limitations, a manager. They play that system. We're that kind of club. That's the kind of system with the manager that we have that we should be playing. And I think that's what we should be doing between now and the end of the season. And that ties into the personnel that were involved today. Um, particularly Matt Ritchie and Jacob Murphy. Now, look, do I think in a 4-4-2 formation, Matt Ritchie is necessarily the person you want to wade, given the fact that he doesn't have any pace? Maybe not. But can he be an important player? I, the reason being that he can put a cross in, right? And if we're playing a kind of basic formation, which is about getting balls in the box, then players like Matt, Matt Ritchie and Jacob Murphy could prove vital. Um, you know, the first, I think, first 24 minutes before we scored, there were six, there were six crosses went in the box, but like six not... Not just six kind of hit and hope crosses, six really good crosses went in the box, right? So if it's about the accumulation of points, if it's about maximising what we have in terms of playing personnel, but also the limitations of the manager, then I think we need to look at those players who will actually engender chances just by getting the ball in the box. And Jake and Murphy, I thought was really good from an attacking perspective today. And this is the thing, and I said it on the on the live show, so apologies if anyone's listened to me again, bang on, but... What Murphy does is he will take a player on, he will put a cross in, he will take a shot. It's almost like he's fearless, even though he might be limited in his, in his ability and in his quality, it doesn't stop him having a gun. Um, and, and I think that's really, really important. And I also think the Dwight Gale, for example, right? Okay, Lloris pulled off a good save and he had a follow-up chance. Um, he put too much weight on a ball through to Almiron, right? But... Dwight Gale can play centre-forward. We've had, we had this discussion last season against Southampton away. He knows how to play centre-forward. He's been in and out the side sporadically, right? He's, in fact, he's really started. So any chances he missed today, the weight on the ball for Almiron, you can put that down to rustiness. Give him a run of three or four games, he will get. I think if Dwight Gale plays in the eight remaining games this season, every game, he'd probably get you three or four goals, and I don't think that's an exaggeration, and they could be vital. So I think the energy that those players bought, and Longstaff as well, um, were incredibly important. And I, and I would like to see definitely Murphy, Longstaff and Gale in the side between now and the end of the season. And Richie is someone who I think can be utilised positively. Yeah, I wanted to just say, um, pick you up on what you said there about rustiness, because I think that is a key issue. We know for a fact that Bruce has been reluctant to give, you know, to, to share minutes around his squad. And when that happens, when he kind of rely on the same, what, 
13, 14 players all season and there's about 10, 11 not getting anywhere near a game, when you then need to rely on those players because of injuries and because you decide to change the formation drastically after after uh, after 10 games, then you're going to see rustiness. So somebody like Jacob Murphy, I'm glad you brought him up, Norm. Jacob Murphy is a player who kind of a, he doesn't really need uh, a run and start. He can just come on um, as a cameo and he will produce. He will put in a good cross. He will get you an assist. That's what Jacob Murphy does. And he's one of these players that just... He just works hard and like, you know, he's, he's, he's not the most spectacular player in the world, but I, I really, really like his application and attitude. And like I say, with, 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 the, with the limited game time he does get, he produces now somebody like Gail, somebody like Sean Longstaff, they're more confident players. And, 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 and to echo, you know, just to follow on what you were saying, Norm, they've, had, they've just been plunged, you know, they've just been plunged into a game. Suddenly like Gail's playing up front again because he wasn't, you know, the few games that he's had recently, he hasn't really been playing as a central striker at all. Longstaff's just been plunked in, and and, and it, I agree with Alex, they're the right calls to make, but because we haven't given them game time previously, when they probably should have had more game time, Sean Longstaff ahead of Hendrick countless times this season, surely, then you're going to see that rustiness. They're not going to be quite on their game, and it's like now he's calling upon them, and Bruce will be expecting miracles from them, even though he hasn't given them many chances. This so that's going to mess with the mentality of these players. But luckily, players like Murphy can come in. Richie as well can just come in, do a job to an extent. Dumb it. I know we'll get onto the second goal in a minute, but he made him and Richie made some excellent sort of last last ditch tackles. I thought Dummett showed a lot more uh, solidity over his last couple of games than 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 maybe Lewis has displayed. Maybe the jury's out on that one, but I'm, I'm, it's it's more about these the players that are coming in. Not all of them are going to be able to give them give us a hundred percent straight away because they're like you say that they they're not they're not used to playing. They're not used to playing Premier League minutes, so it's 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 a big ask for them and a lot of pressure on them, especially if we're hearing from the hierarchy that the onus is now on the you know if Bruce is going to stay at the end of the season, possibly getting a new contract. Lol. Then the onus is on the players. To react and to perform, and which I don't think is fair necessarily. They have to take responsibility themselves as well, of course. But had had he shared minutes, I think we would have been in a slightly a slightly better position, and we maybe would have would have would have won today, perhaps. On a related point, it might seem a little bit churlish, um, but I'm going to slightly steal Alex's point from our WhatsApp group during the game. Um, the three substitutes we had were made within. 12 minutes from the 71st minute to the 83rd minute. I know that Alan Maxman, who was the first of those players coming on, was injured, but we're still in a situation where we're making very late substitutions. And at least one of those substitutions, will it coming on, obviously getting the equaliser, uh, changed the game and, and got the point for us. But I, I still have concerns about these really late substitutes and, you know, giving. Joe Willock, you say, Adam, about kind of expecting, you know, the world from these players, giving Joe Willock 11 minutes. Of, of normal time to to influence a game, you know, is asking a lot. He did in this case, but you know, how often have we seen over the course of the season? And I know we're you know off the back of a, a good point here, um, albeit one that we have you know some concerns about generally. But how often have we seen this season substitutes coming on late and not having the time to to influence the game? Uh, Andy Carroll more than once, you know, thirty seconds here, thirty seconds there. But um, yeah, I think it's an, an ongoing issue, and just to kind of flag that as well. 
Yeah, and, and, and there's a few a few good points raised there. Um, I want to talk really quickly about Sean Longstaff and Joe Linton, kind of two unpopular players, <laughs> I think one more so than the other. But again, and I, this, listen, this isn't, a, I mean, I suppose it is a podcast to bash Steve Bruce because that's what we're doing. We're talking about and analyzing him and his side. And I just find it so frustrating that, that like, everyone listening to this, everyone, I'm certain of it, and you three guys here, if I asked you, where does Joe Litton need to play to be most effective in Newcastle United, you would say up front alongside a striker, without doubt. In terms of his performances for Newcastle so far, the only times I can remember having anything resembling a good game were at home to um, Burnley, more beaten 3 1. He played alongside Wilson and away to Palace when he scored and set up a goal alongside Wilson. And we've never seen him, I don't think we've seen him play centrally with a partner since that Palace game, which is just incredible. And he comes in today and he scores a goal using his right foot, which again, I think is great because he's, he's so one footed normally. Um, nice finish. He could have had more. He should have probably scored in the second half. He definitely should have scored in the second half. But one out of two for Joe Linton, it's, it's fine. You know, we'll, we'll take that. Um, it's so frustrating that I kind of feel like, you know, everyone listening, and we all know this, we all know that Joe Linton needs to play in a partnership at the top end of the pitch. Put him out wide, hopeless, like worse than hopeless, like damaging to the rest of the team. And it's Sean Longstaff's the same where. It's been said in the media that Bruce blamed Sean Longstaff for the defeat at Sheffield United. By the way, <laughs> that game at Sheffield United was the last game we played the five at the back, and it was so bad he had to like you know press the button to reset, and we're like we're back at that formation now. It's funny how it goes around, isn't it? Um, and, and, and Longstaff's frustrating at times because he gives the ball away a lot, and he doesn't, and it looks bad. But what I like about Longstaff is he moves the ball quickly, and he understands the need to move the ball quickly. Um, and, he, and he's always trying to pass the ball forward. Or if he's if he's making a sideways pass, he's trying to find the player in space. And if you compare that in particular to Hendrick and Hayden, who are sideways and backwards and do not move, move the ball quickly, they want to touch, they want two touches, they want three touches, they're more than happy to pop the ball off to a centre-back and let the centre-back deal with the issue. You don't get that with Sean Longstaff. Um, but again, and I, th- I think Newcastle are a much better team with him in the side. But once again, what... Like, why is it taking us to get to this point? Why is it taking us to get to two points above Fulham to start reintroducing these players? It's 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 a massive massive problem. You look at Matty Longstaff not on the bench today. Elliot Anderson played a full ninety yesterday for the the under 18s on the bench. Mad, you know. I just I just can't explain that one, Norman. I look. I think that I agree with you completely. I think Longstaff brings enough to the team in its current state from it being the same, regardless of, as you say, the fact that he, he may lose the ball. The reality is he's a positive midfield player, right? He's a, he's a positive player. He looks, he does look to make something happen. He's also athletic as well, and he can get up and down the pitch. You know, you look at, I think you look towards the end of the match when it was two, he had, he had that shot from outside the box, right? So he, he basically hasn't started the game, as you say, since January, yet at the end of the end of this match, this I suppose high intensity match. He's still there trying to trying to make something happen, um, which suggests that he's he's thinking naturally a fit lad, despite his injury concerns. In terms of his you know his his capacity to run for ninety minutes when he when his muscles are fit, he is a, a naturally fit lad, and I think that's really important. Whereas obviously someone like Jeff Hendrick doesn't offer anything 
and doesn't even necessarily give you the kind of box-to-box running that Longstaff gives you. Shelby is, regardless of his fitness levels, is just too slow to, to play that role, right? I think what I'm concerned about is Longstaff coming in, making a positive contribution. Murphy coming in, making a positive contribution. Is that that won't matter in, to, in Bruce's head? It won't matter? Like, he'll still do something like start Jeff Hendrick in the next match if that's what he feels like doing. Like, I, I don't think, I don't even think with those players who have been to a certain extent ostracized, i.e., Dwight Gale, we could include him in the two I've just mentioned. So, Gale, Longstaff, Murphy. I don't think it really matters how they've performed today in terms of what it'll mean Steve Bruce doing in, in the next match. For me, if like, if Bruce just decides he doesn't want to play them, he just won't play them regardless of how they've, how they've played. It, that, that's, that's what I mean. You know, I think you mentioned it to me before the game. Like, why have these players been out for so long and all of a sudden they've come back in and all of a sudden given them that performance? Why hasn't this been picked up on earlier? Well, there's obviously an issue with the management and the, the coaching staff there. So they, they, they don't necessarily rate them. They've brought them in as a bit of a, a kind of scattergun panic approach today. But against Burnley, who knows, mate? Who... Genuinely, who knows if Longstaff will start the game against Burnley? That's the that's the madness. There's there's nothing to there's no kind of predictability about it. And, and like you, I think Longstaff should be in the side 100. Yeah, and it, and it's um, it is that kind of it almost needs uh, Brentford, a Sheffield United, a Brighton for for Bruce to make to make changes. And and you know, I I am even though I hate the five at the back formation, I am pleased that we aren't playing the stupid strikerless formation anymore. It was like. I swear this season, in, in if we're still doing podcasts, which is unlikely, but in like 10 or 15 years' time, if you're telling someone who wasn't around for this season, you're going to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll play it for nine games without any strikers. They'll just be like, well, you obviously played with strikers, didn't you? And we're like, no, no, we, we genuinely played without strikers. And Bruce made eight changes for one Premier League game and didn't work. And we went to Arsenal and got beat 3-0 and didn't have a shot. And Steve Bruce said he was really pleased. <laughs> like, the kind of things that don't happen at normal football clubs in normal seasons, do they? Um, I don't know, uh, Chris or Adam, who wants to come in next, but let's let's talk about some of these changes in these players. I mean, we've touched on Norman's touched on Jacob Murphy, so I think that's done. What about Matt Ritchie? You know, do you think that you know which of you thinks that it was uh, an inspired decision? Do you think he's here to stay? Can he only play in the team if we play with wing backs because that's where he was playing? What do you think, Matt? Who wants to go for this one? I, th- I think. I think wing backs kind of the only position he can play in, and and even then, like. It's a funny one, Matt Ritchie, because I I can see the arguments for leaving him out, um, because I think is I think he struggles at the top end of the pitch to because I think his his legs aren't what they used to be. Obviously, he's 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 getting older. Um, he's not playing as much. He's not as much fit. But what you get is the kind of his mentality and his fight and his his his, his desire and and that's kind of what we've been lacking a lot, even from like. You know our captain and, and and other leaders on the pitch. We, we've been a bit rudderless, and there's certainly not much leadership coming from the side of the pitch either. And even when when there is, there's a lot of mixed messages. If we as we've discussed on previous weeks and previous podcasts, so I, I think there's merit from being there. And and I think because this is kind of a business end of the season that we need to fight to get out of relegation, even despite his faults and despite I'd rather not play him from a footballing perspective. I actually think. We need him for this fight. We need him for that battle. And we need him to lead the team and grab grab games by the scruff of the neck, grab his own players by the scruff of the neck if he needs to. And he bloody will if you give him the chance. Uh, we, we need that kind of desire. And it's, it's just something we've been lacking, bereft of for, for so long. So I think 
I'm I'm happy because I've complained the last few the last few weeks about how exposed our wings are. Yet today we had wing backs um, that you know that that are kind of wingers and that kind of and they were that you know both have work rate regardless of what you think of them. Richie and Murphy they both have the work rate and we'll get back. And yet maybe Richie's missing a, a yard of pace, but he you know tactically astute he's aware of what he needs to do um and we we looked a lot more solid on the on the wings and that was that was an improvement from what we've seen in recent fixtures yeah i thought he performed really well today i, I must say i was pretty surprised to see him in the starting lineup given the very high profile falling out a couple of months back um you know i think we will probably see him in a couple of games before the end of the season, but given the the narrative around that falling out, and then also in January around him potentially going back to Bournemouth, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be here next season. Whatever, whatever league we're in, whether in the Premier League or the Championship, I don't think he's going to be there after that. Um, I think from Matt Ritchie's point of view, um, you know, if that is the case in his own mind, there may be an element there of putting himself in the shop window. Um, but I think given the situation that we're in and just the the need. Uh, and how imperative it is that we stay up this season um, for the the future of the club, you know, long, medium to long term. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's n- not necessarily a bad thing to have a player that is motivated potentially to uh, to earn himself uh, a decent contract elsewhere. So yeah, I, I think he's been a good servant to the club while he's been here. It was good to see him today. I'm very happy to see him in the lineup, um, given the other options that we have over the next eight games or so. Um, but yeah, will we see him next season? Probably not. I think you both make really good points. Um, Adam, definitely, I, th- I agree with you. I think Richie, now given his lack of pace, is probably only capable of playing as, as a wing back. He's not obviously defensively talented enough to play as a left back because you know what he loses in pace. I guess if he if he could play as an out and out left back, that wouldn't necessarily matter as much. Um, but he, he just doesn't have the, the defensive capacity to to play a purely defensive role, and obviously he can't play as a as a wide man um, because of that lack of pace. Right? What I do think is that if we play um, four midfielders, so we're two, you know, like let's say four four one one four four two, I think as somebody who can come on with twenty to thirty minutes to gun for maybe Ryan Fraser, because obviously Fraser struggles to, to complete matches is it's his fitness. And if you're chasing the game, Richie is a player who can put a corner in, can put a cross in. I think in in that respect he could be used. Um and also I, I agree with you both his at this stage of season, eight games to gun in a relegation battle, that leadership and experience that you get in the pitch could end up being vital. But not even necessarily on the pitch, just just in the squad, on the bench, as I say, coming up for 20 to 30 minutes. If you know if it's a tight game, he comes on 20 to 30 minutes, he brings that leadership on the pitch with him immediately, or he brings the kind of shock value he can get on and he can start giving players grief if we need to get back in the game. So I do think he could be important. Um and I think today, I think today what we saw was those elements of his game that we've appreciated over the last few years. He can put a ball in the box, right? He can put a good ball in the box. And also, I think it was one occasion we saw Shelby try one of his floaty corners that's only ever come off once when Callum Wilson literally generated more power than I've ever seen from a more or less static football in my entire life. Um, and Shelby tried it today, it didn't come off. And then immediately Richie, bang, straight over, took the corner. And that that leadership there, that kind of actually, you know what, that corner was bad. I'm going to take it new instead. That That's what we could do with. So I do think, I do think, whether Bruce persists with him in and around the squad, in and around, I don't, uh, I don't know. But I think, 
Um, I think it's important in these last eight games that he plays a role, and I do think he has a role to play. Aye? You know what? Listen to you lads there. It brings it back to me of the fundamental problem that Bruce has, apart from being a bad manager. But the fundamental <laughs> problem is <laughs> assuming, right, assuming everyone is fit for Burnley, assume Wilson's back, Fernandez is back, Fraser's back, they're all fit. What is Newcastle's best team and in what formation? <laughs> the, where, where, how many games? What have we played? 30, um, 30 games this season? So we're 68 games plus cup games um, into the Steve Bruce experiment at the Premier League club, you know, in Newcastle United. And I don't think he has a fucking clue who who his best team is. He has a vague idea that it probably includes uh, Alison Maximan, John Joe Shelby, <laughs> Jamal Lascelles, Wilson and Dubravka. But, but, but everyone else apart from that are moving parts. And, and this is the thing that t- today, and I've seen some outrageous stop that, start that, this today was Newcastle's highest expected goals in the Premier League game for seven years. Um, the the crazy thing for me today is go back to what we said about Bruce when he first came in. Right, my my preconception preconception of him was that he's not a very good manager, but he'll have a go. You get you get like we'll play four four two. We'll get men in the box. We'll get beat. We'll win. We might we might finish thirteenth. We might get beat like four one quite a lot, but we might also win a couple of games. Three nil hasn't worked out like that. I couldn't be more wrong. We've just been shit. But I, I almost feel like today was a like after the Brighton thing, he's probably come in and spoke to Graham Jones and said, Graham, I give you nine games. It's shite. Get out of my office. <laughs> we'll go and matter five at the back. Um and we're just gonna have a go. Even though it's this kind of defensive formation, we're just gonna have a go. And it just feels to me like Bruce is so much more at home with just have a go, lads. Just have a go, and if we get beat, it's all right. You, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before all the bullshit. Like, you know, he doesn't really analyze defeats. He doesn't really look at tactical mistakes. He doesn't look at what could have done better. It's like we lost that one. On to the next one. Let's just have a go at them. So I do just feel like if he go if he goes to Burnley and he can get, if he can play four two three one right, and he, he, he won't do this because Julian scored, so he so he starts the next nine games. That's how it works under Bruce. Um, Andy Carroll basically won two headers against West Ham and started the next week. So if you score a goal, you're you guaranteed to start. But if he, if he was to go to Burnley and get on the pitch at the same time, Ryan Fraser, Alison Maximan, Miguel Almiron, and Callum Wilson with Willock and Longstaff behind them playing 4-2-3-1. And yes, you'd have to drop Matt Ritchie probably and play Dummer at left-back, Fernandez, Lascelles, and Mankiw at right-back. To me, sat here, I haven't watched that game today against Spurs. I think we'll win that game. I think we'll win that game with those players. I think that's a really good team in the Premier League or the bottom 12 of the Premier League, the bottom 13 of the Premier League. That's a good team. And how can, like, it just seems so strange that that's not, that's not what is going to happen. And I can't really put me, I couldn't explain to someone why, apart from Bruce not being very good. Like, what, what do you think, lads? Do you think this is, today was. A change in a mindset. You think it will just be a fuckers have a go at them. Gloves are off, but actually off this time. From from here on in, or do you think you know what I'm? I'm, anal- I'm almost analysing this too much. That Bruce himself doesn't know what's going to happen next week. Never mind us trying to predict this. I think it's the latter, mate. And I think you know I've written before in articles like even when we win, I don't think he knows why. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, don't, don't think he knows enough why. And 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 I think one of the reasons that he hasn't changed this at uh, Graham Jones's 
a diamond slash diamante formation, you know, cheap alternative, is that I don't think he understands it enough to tweak it. I don't think he, I don't think he knows enough about it. It's like a he needs a prepackaged tactic to then go right, go again, go again, go again. I think it, I think what you've described is the case, Alex, in that he he is just to have a have a go. And I think, like you say, he's reverted back to this to, to, to five at the back. But I think what was really important about today's formation and a player that we haven't mentioned really, who I thought again just seemed to be everywhere was Miggy Almiron and the fact that Miggy Almiron seemed to be playing in in his natural position behind a front pair like that that was the one thing I thought of the diamond formation that was actually a positive because we started to see the best of Almiron whereas because we shoved Almiron out out, out too wide or too deep in different formations in a midfield three you know He's played. He's played so many different positions under Bruce. Didn't couldn't get a couldn't get a start at the start of the season, which is crazy given his work rate and his attacking threat as well. But he was. I thought Miggy was absolutely everywhere today. Again, you know, cleared that one off the line. He, he you know, he, he cleared a header at the back header when when we were under the cosh a bit, and he, I can't. You know, we don't know how many you know kilometers or miles that he's covered, but he was he was everywhere, and I think we see the best of him when we have a proper number 10, a central number 10. And that's at least I'm glad that we brought that over into this. Is it a refresh, Alex, of the of, the, of a previous five of the back formation? We don't know. It's funny what you were saying about cycles of formations before and just one formation, one failed formation, go to the next one and then, oh, that's failed, go back to the last one. Now, that's what we dad would all, often refer to as the illusion of progress. <laughs> just changing <laughs> things up, but nothing actually moves forward. It's just mixing it around and staying in a, a kind, of, kind of plateau of, of shit, really. But yeah, um, I'm really pleased to see, you know, Almiron thrive in that position and we need him there. You know, he thought he had a good game and he looked lively and that's that's the right attitude we need. And then when Willett came on, you saw a lot more of that dynamism behind the, the, the front two. You saw a conduit between midfield and attack. That's stuff that we need. That there, there are players. That's the mentality. That's the attitude that we need. Like you say, when we when we've got Shelby and Hendrick in the midfield, we're too static. We're, we're, we're absolutely pedestrian. It's 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 too easy. It's far too easy. But at least with that movement, he's he's difficult to mark. He's difficult to pick up, and he will run all day for you, uh, Miguel Almiron. So I thought I thought he deserves a shout today. He, he did well for me. Norman, was your point going to be about Miggy Almiron? It wasn't, mate. No, so you make. I mean, I think well, I, I think I've got a feeling what you might say. I don't think he was utilised as effectively as you could have been today. So it's interesting that you've said that. I agree <laughs> with everything you've said, but that's fair enough. That formation doesn't work for him. So Alex, I let you. I let you go. Maybe it's a similar point. No, it's the exact same point. I thought Almiron in the second half was brilliant, and I agree with everything you say on on that. But with it again. It feels like we're going back to stuff that we've already seen before that doesn't work. So you're right that I totally agree that in that the only thing about that diamond thing with the split strikers was that Almiron played at the tip of the diamond and was in the right position. I totally agree with you. The problem with this formation is it's good, you know, in out of possession, when we're defending, when we're deep, it's a, it's basically a five, three, one, one. Okay. And Almiron becomes part of that three. And you start to see him clearing balls on the edge of his own area hooking balls out the penalty area. And I think he needs to, if you're going to keep Joe Linton further up and you're going to keep your other striker further up, he needs to be in that conversation further up the pitch. We've seen what happens. Southampton away, 
you know, when he everyone got really annoyed with him. It's not it's not his job. He shouldn't be picking up the ball on the edge of his own eighteen yard box, trying to be part of a defensive strategy. And that's what I worry about. And and he was still brilliant in the second half. He was everywhere. He he, he can't do that every week. And and because he's so important to us as an attacking side, I feel like when he's played in a, that to me that was a five three two. At, at, at its worst, at its worst, there are times yet yeah, when we play three, when Murphy and Richie are particularly good at getting forward and joining midfield, and it becomes like a, um, like a three four one two almost, and yeah, that works then. But I worry about this is the thing about where Bruce goes from here because you could argue if he's going to play five at the back, if he's if he's decided, and who knows what he's decided, that we're going to play five at the back in that formation. Where does Anderson Maximum play? Because the Maximum, let's remember was on the verge of being dropped, according to Luke Edwards, who came on this show and said before that Chelsea game, when he got injured, he was on the verge of being dropped. Because in the 5-3-2 formation, there isn't there isn't a position for him. Now, today he's brought him on and put him up front, which just seems, you know, we have been here before. If you've listened to these podcasts, end of last season, we're playing 5-3-2. Last six games, he plays Almiron up front. It doesn't work. Again, early this season, you know, Almiron plays best for Newcastle out wide. No questions asked for me. He plays out wide. Now, when we're, when your wingers are Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie playing as wingbacks, I'm not saying there isn't a place for St. Maximan, but or Almiron, but they both struggle to fit into this formation. I, I hate this formation, I'll be honest with you. I don't think we should play it. And, and you start getting into square pegs and round holes, which is a Steve Bruce classic from every team that he's been at. And that's what that's what I'm concerned about. And if you're going to play 5-3-2, play, play Matty Longstaff. Play, play the extra midfielder. Um, but he, he will play on your run there. But just don't be surprised, particularly against a better side, a Leicester or a Liverpool or an Arsenal or someone that will last long better. But one of those sides, to see Almiron, if he's playing that position, dispossessed deep in his own half and everyone kick off at him, it's not it's not his position. We don't want him like in a defensive part of the pitch for us, but that's what he's forced to do when in this position. I completely agree. Um, I think the positives that have come out of the formation change today shouldn't automatically mean that this is the formation we stick to. And the reason I say that is because we play with this five at the back against Man City, Leicester, Burnley, Arsenal, Liverpool. I genuinely don't think we get anything out of those games well, with, with, five, with the five at the back. Interrupt you really quickly. We mm-hmm. beat Burnley last time playing four at the back. So why on earth would we go there and play five at the back when we beat them convincingly early this season playing four at the back? That's it, and I think I think against a team like Burnley, it's more important the formation that they play. How we how we counter that, and I don't think five at the back with wing backs would work against a team that is so kind of basic in how they approach the match. Burnley with kind of with, with two wide men whipping crosses in. I don't think having wing backs against them is going to is going to achieve anything. But we'll see. Um, a couple of things first, though. I like your um, bottom thirteen. I would love to finish thirteen bottom. What a great what a great <laughs> achievement that would be. Um, and. Uh, and Amiron, do we think that Amiron played well be, precisely because he's been halfway around the world in the last week? Is that one of the reasons <laughs> that he's played, he's played? He's been full of energy. Um, but I think, Alex, you asked the question, what is Newcastle United's best side when all the players are fit? I genuinely don't think that the best side that any of us might come up with, any fans might come up with, really matters. Under Bruce, it's all about the formation. And I truly believe that regarding, to a certain extent, regardless of the players that he's got available to him, if he tries to keep playing the diamond formation, if we've got a fully fit squad and he plays a diamond formation, if we've got a fully fit squad and he plays five at the back, 
I still don't think that would be enough for us to pick up the points with team now in the end of the season. Regardless of the, those really good players that are they're injured, as you know, Wilson and Ryan come back, those two particular formations, if we play five at the back or if we play the diamond, the only two formations that we play between now and the end of the season are those two formations. Regardless of the players that we've got, who, who, who have got good players, we won't pick up enough points. Steve Bruce's Newcastle United, between now and the end of the season, need to play, as far as I can see, in order to create enough chances to score goals, either 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. And again, Spurs today, right? Spurs were really passive. There isn't going to be one side between now and the end of the season that is going to be that passive. Spurs were poor. So regardless of how many expected goals you might have had today, if we play five at the back or the diamond, there is no way between now and the end of the season that will create that many chances. I just I can't see it. So for me, it's all about getting a formation where we can literally just do what someone like Allardyce does, what someone like Dice does, because this is a relegation battle, right? And just get balls into the box as often as you can because it's the only way we might, might score enough goals to stay up. So to follow on your point, Norman, and, and, and I agree with Alex about the square pegs and round holes, and yes, where's the place for Sam Maximan? Which is crazy because he's you know was one of our talismanic players and... We, we, we've we've played formations for the last half season that that don't fit him at all, which is crazy. And and, and to to wind that point, Fraser as well. You know, we have a we have a good crop of wingers. We have a really good crop of wingers. Yet we don't play with wingers. So today we got loads of crosses in. Fantastic. We attempted twenty nine crosses, I think. Um, and but eight eight were successful. So. As, as much as it's great that we managed, we at least attempted, and there seemed to be at least some semblance of a game plan or a little bit more than we're used to, then, you know, if we played with actual wingers, if that if, if, if we're going to go for the cross thing, if we're going for crosses, then there's no wonder that like two-thirds of those crosses didn't make it into the box because they would have largely been from deep, from wing-backs that were pushed back because they're, they're playing wing backs they're not playing attacking in, in, in an attacking wing position so it is absolutely crazy that even now even when we're changed up even when we reset and reset that we still aren't seeing a, a formation that accommodates two of our best attacking players two of our most creative players in Sam Maximan and Fraser you know Fraser attempted like 20 crosses about a month, you know in a fixture a few weeks ago like it's what the lad does. Don't put him up front in a split. You know. So Alex makes a really, really good point. We have loads of good wingers. Why aren't we playing to our strengths as a squad? If that's we have a lot of strength in our wing positions, why aren't we utilizing them? And you know, M Murphy, Murphy and Richie come into that as well. Like we we have backup. We have we have a lot of depth there, and it's crazy. It's crazy that we can't accommodate some of our best players, both who were brought in under Bruce. I think the other point is, uh, as well as new, as us uh, you know, having a go, I think you know, it, it does require us to, to get anything out of games and to get maximum points out of games or even draws. It's not just enough for us to have a go. It's to ha catch the opposition on an off day. And Norman's completely right. Spurs are completely passive today. Um, they had 11 shots to our 22 um, I think you could really see that players that were coming back from injury, like Son, uh, we, I think we were lucky that he only played half the game. Uh, Son's a player that previously has really had a lot of joy against us. We, we profited from that. And then just with the sheer number and volume of international players that they've got, you know, playing two or three games in midweek, 
being a poor side, we don't have that same level of internationals. So, you know, our players in theory should be better rested. You know, you get that potential fatigue element on Spurs' side, the issues around Mourinho, uh, their poor form, you know, we did catch them on an off day today. You saw the kind of defensive mishaps that they had and we profited from uh, for, for the first goal. Um, you know, we did catch them on an off day and, and I think it's these kind of, these moments where we, we need to be pulling out maximum points. You know, one point from the situation, while very nice, isn't enough. Um, but I think it's, we've all spoken on multiple podcasts over the last, not even this season, but uh, two seasons, year, year and a half, of uh, Brucey's luck. And Brucey's luck is, I think, the only way that Steve Bruce, managing this club, manages to stay up uh, for me. Norman? Aye. So, what I'd like to put you in, and it kind of ties back into your question on my best team, Alex, and what we've been talking about, formations that we play, playing person who should be on the, who should be on the pitch. And I think, again, if all the players that Bruce has at his disposal were available, we could choose the team and the formation that we feel best. We're not football managers, you know, we, we, we don't know how it works, right? But at the same time, you've got like an idea of what formation you maybe you'd think you'd like to see, which players you think you'd like to see in the team. However, I think that even with a fully fit squad, every single player, he's always going to play John Joe Shelby. And I genuinely think that at this stage of the season with the eight games you've got left, Shelby is probably one of the players who I think will hamper us between now and the end of the season because in a side that's battling relegation, he just doesn't offer what's needed. He doesn't offer that kind of pressing, the athleticism, the the dynamism, the capacity to tackle properly that like a centre midfield pairing of, for example, Joe Willock and Sean Longstaff would or Sean Longstaff and Matty Longstaff would but Bruce will play John Joe Shelby in every single game between now and the end of the season. So I think regardless of personnel, ultimately Bruce's selections will always include a couple of players. And that, that to me, will be what hampers us between now and the end of the season. And I'd be interested on anyone's, anyone's thoughts on that, if they've got any. I wonder if this kind of plays into... Norman, you've made a point on multiple previous podcasts that I totally agree with. Bruce's perception of other sides... And whether we're gonna, you know, how we're gonna play against them, being dictated by virtue of, of whether they're a good side or not. So if they're traditional top six, you know, no hope, you know, get out of there, move on. I, I think there might be an element there in the way that he thinks of other clubs in that way about specific players. Because okay, maybe not Jalinson, but I think Shelby, the kind of the weird adherence. Uh, to him, even when he's not playing well and in poor form and doesn't offer the side something. And you made the very good point just now about in a relegation battle, what Shelby offers. We've seen at this club what Shelby offers you in a relegation battle. He is previous here and the results weren't pretty. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's an element there of kind of a perception that is lodged and fixed uh, with him, uh, with Shelby. And there's probably others as well um, that, you know, in his mind, are, are undroppable or border, undroppable as well. I think just to follow on quickly from that is it's 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 very much like when he he sort of like plans a substitution like a week ahead. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just well, I, I'll have decided that, and I've told him he's getting the game, so uh, so I can't change it now. And that, you know, it's this it's quite a stubbornness, and it's like maybe a pride thing. I don't know what it is. If it, it's just very odd. So yeah, I think that's just that's just Bruce's character. And as we move on, lads, uh, what are we? You know getting on for a couple of hours since the full-time whistle. Now, I'm 
getting more negative about it because you're talking about eight games there and Chris you make the point about I think you're spot on about how he looks at teams and, and fixtures and just think you know we're not going to stay up on like 33 points we are going to have to win some of these games and like who you know we've won two or 22 games um in all competitions like who who are going to beat <laughs> won two away last 26 games playing five at the back like are we going to win three games between now and the end of the season? Is it is it really is it realistic? Is it really going to happen? Um, I suppose I'll, we'll finish the podcast. We'll go around the room. Um, Norman, start with you on your castle. Stand up, yes or no? He said no on mute. <laughs> For any listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's good that I had it on mute because I said no straight away. Then I started thinking, oh my god, maybe not. Maybe we will because just because of Fulham not getting enough points and then West Brom winning yesterday. But no, I look at our remaining fixtures and I see Fulham picking up probably three more points than us between now and the end of the season, which will be enough, right? Chris. Chris. <laughs> so we have eight games to go, uh, I think. And there was a stat that popped up. If we're seeking crumbs of comfort here. There was a stat that popped up in the match that games in which Sir Maximan and Wilson play together were much, much better. So in eight games that they have played together, we've won four. So if that rings true through the rest of the season, in theory, yes. But then I think you look at the games and sides that we are playing. And I know I am possibly adhering to Bruce's perception of, of what good clubs and bad clubs are. But I can't see us getting enough points to stay up. So no, no, I don't think we are. Sorry. I don't think we are either. I think I think what will get us out is two wins and a, and, a, and a couple of draws. And I don't think we're capable of two wins. I think we're capable of one win and a few draws. But I, I, I can't see us winning two games. And I think that's, 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 that's the least that we need. So, yeah, nice performance against Spurs. Great point. We battled. But accumulation of points, isn't it? We, we, we're, we're struggling. And we've got a gauntlet ahead of us. I think it's... Unless something dramatic changes... And unless Wilson comes back into the side ahead of schedule, we're we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, uh, I agree with with you all. I think I think if Newcastle have any chance of staying up, there must be Burnley. If if they lose that Burnley game and then head into Leicester, Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal, you know, they, they simply have to beat Burnley. This that's what concerns me about Bruce. Is he, he's you know. It's an arrogance, and sometimes arrogance in football and sport is a good thing. You know, born winners and all that kind of thing. But there's an arrogance from Bruce when he's just saying, we'll be fine. You know, we'll, it's about accumulation of points, and I'm more than confident that we will get the points we need by the end of the season. Problem is, Steve, you've been saying that for about six games now. We haven't won any of them. Um, and if we don't beat Burnley, you, you know, if you can't beat Villa, Wolves, West Brom, um, Spurs, Burnley... Why can you beat Leicester, Man City, or Liverpool? And then you get to that Sheffield United game, and you know you could win that game against Sheffield United, but it be, it'll be too late by then. I mean, as we as I talked to you now, um, Fulham on nil nil with Aston Villa, and, and you know, it. I kind of feel like if Fulham win that game, we'll go in the relegations, and we just simply won't get out of it. What you know? Why would Fulham after the you know the upward trajectory that they've been on and the lack of defeats? Why would they all of a sudden slide back into it? And, and you know what that game is going on. Who knows? Um, but I just, I just, you know, we watch and everyone listening watches Newcastle United play week in, week out. Who we're going to beat? 
why why would why would we be anyone who turns up on a day can we beat them and we're playing sides in Leicester and we're playing I mean you, you look at Arsenal Arsenal probably haven't got anything to play for the other sides Liverpool are chasing the top four Leicester are you know top four Man City are about to win the league we're not going to beat those teams no matter how well we play um so for me we, we, I thought we had to win today again I say this every podcast and we haven't and, and I think when we look back at the end of the season we'll just look back at these games we thought we had to win and if you keep failing to win games you need to win you, you'll get relegated so much better today you know I, I retain some hope that's the difference I retain we go to Burnley and win anything's possible but that's a big if that and Bruce post-match he's he's taken aim at journalists again he's saying they've had to put up with a load of nonsense as players and as a club and he's just lashing out again you haven't even fucking won mate like like save save the snide stuff for when you win I say um, you can get away a little bit better you know there's a good there's a good tweet to finish the show on Twitter from a guy called Mark Duffy, um, where it says, I've already fallen out with the players, supporters, and the press. Steve Bruce has taken to publicly arguing with himself. Because after the game, he said, there's there's this nonsense about a mole in the dressing room, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with the spirit here. And there's a previous quote from Bruce saying, we'll have a mole in the dressing room. <laughs> so, you know... I mean, like I said, it's a season like no other. We'll be talking about it for years to come. This has been the True Faith Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. If you want more of this before we speak to you on this free platform, the next time we'll play Burnley, we've got loads coming up on Patreon this week. Loads of Newcastle United content and more. Um, thanks, Norman, Chris, and Adam. Appreciate your time, lads. We'll speak to you all again very soon, I'm sure. Cheers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.